the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome into uh, a Monday afternoon on KKLA. This is Southern California Live. I'm Bob Lapine in with you this afternoon. I, I think it is probably the question I get asked most often when I am traveling and speaking and have the opportunity to be with people in different parts of the country, especially people who for years uh, have have interacted with me through family life today and and my years of work there the question is what do we do in in uh, situations with our adult children where we're not on the same page and it's asked by parents who are confused and parents who are sometimes heartbroken and parents who are wondering about what went wrong? This has been um, exacerbated in the midst of COVID because, as some of you know, there are, in some cases, generational differences about how to approach the pandemic and masks and vaccines. And there's anger between parents and children over uh, the approach that others are taking. This has shown up in the area of politics and political campaigns and elections because moms and dads are not on the same page when it comes to who you should be voting for or what policies you should be supporting. This has come up in the area of, um, it's come up in the areas of gender and sexuality as parents and their adult children don't see eye to eye on an understanding of how we as a culture should be dealing with gender and sexuality issues. It's coming up in areas of racial discrimination and justice and how that's lived out. And if if you are an if you're a parent with adult kids raising your grandkids, you've experienced some of this tension. You've experienced text messages that have been uncomfortable or family gatherings that have not gone well. Or maybe you've experienced, as some of the people I've talked to have experienced, um, a broken relationship, estrangement. You're not allowed to visit the grandkids because your kids don't approve of the choices you're making. In fact, I, I would love to interact with you. I'd love to have conversation this hour. If you'd like to join us to talk about some of what you're going through, the number to call to be on with us on Southern California Live is 888-528-KKLA. That's 888-528-2557. Maybe you've got questions or thoughts. I, I want to I think through this with you. I want us to reason together on this. But let me point you to a passage that is a passage that 
I always come back to when it when it comes to this issue about how we interact with our adult children. It's Ephesians four, the beginning of of the chapter. And and let me I just have to give you a little context here. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are all about what God has done for us in Christ. We're adopted into the beloved. We were strangers and aliens, but God, rich in mercy, saved us by grace through faith. He's torn down the dividing wall that has separated us. We are in Christ. So that's that's what Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 unpacks for us. Then you get to Ephesians 4, and there's a turning point, and it starts with, therefore, because of everything God's done for us in Christ, Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I think that passage gives great guidance for parents and I would say, by the way, some of you listening, you are the adult children. You're looking at your parents, at your the, the moms and dads who you think have gone crazy and gone off the deep end and you're not sh- sure what to do. This passage gives a blueprint. First of all, it says you need to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's the goal. So with your kids, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, There's you, you should be striving for unity and peace. And then it says walk worthy. Our interaction with our adult kids should have as its number one goal the kind of interaction Jesus would have with them. We, we need to walk worthy. And, and then we do it with humility, gentleness, patience. These are the kinds of qualities that need to be present in our relationship with our adult kids. Let me just say to moms and dads, you're the grownups here. You take the lead in, in being humble and gentle and patient. The, the Greek word that's translated patient in the New Testament is a word that literally means to put one's anger and wrath far away, or to be long-suffering as opposed to being hasty with your anger or punishment. Endure patiently hard things. And then forbearance, tolerance. You need to, you need to have a, a wide berth here. And so here are some questions, I think, that are good for us to see if we're being forbearing. When your adult kids... Don't do things that you think they ought to do them. Do you criticize them verbally or mentally? Do you do it silently? Do you do it out loud with them? When your adult kids hold differing opinions from yours, things that are not clearly identified in Scripture, do you judge them as being wrong or immature or unspiritual? Or do you listen and say, help me understand where you're coming from? When you're talking with an adult child who holds a differing opinion, do you immediately try to persuade them, or do you try to understand where they're coming from? These are diagnostic questions to help us determine 
whether we're approaching these relationships correctly. And and I'm I'm glad we have a chance to talk about this today. And and we've got somebody to help us with this who is a a friend and somebody who's very wise in this area, has written a book about dealing with our adult kids. Uh, his name is Jim Burns, and many of you know Jim from radio, from his homeward ministry, from his speaking throughout the country, but here in Southern California a lot. Jim is joining us this afternoon, and Jim, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Bob, great to be with you, and also welcome to Southern California yourself. You're well, a native. We love this place. You know, I, I understand, and, and I think those of us who are able to uh, to drop in occasionally understand why you love this place. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you wrote on this, and we've talked about this before, because I think your book on this subject is so helpful and so crucial. Um, and, and some of this was prompted because you're an adult parent with adult kids, and you're having to figure this out yourself, right? No, exactly. In fact, you know, I said part of it was research and part of it was desperation because mm-hmm. my kids started, you know, becoming college students at that time. Now they're older. And Kathy and I said, what on earth happened? We didn't see it going that way. And our kids, I say that our kids bounced. Our, we don't have the horror stories that some parents have that parents tell me every day. But our kids bounced. And we were like, what happened? You know, they'd been raised in a Christian home. We prayed with them all the time. We did all the things that, you know, I write on and you write on and talk on. And um, and so we learned some principles that have really helped us, and apparently they've helped some others because that that book is still a um, a pretty big deal in the in the Christian world, and I appreciate it. And tell uh, everybody and honored. Tell everybody the subtitle of the book. Uh, keep keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. <laughs> and that pretty much summarizes how to handle adult children. Bob, it it, it really it, it's one of those phrases that I've used over and over again with people because it yeah. it's shorthand for if if you want a, a strategy, this is the right one. Yeah, totally. It, yeah, it uh, and it is a strategy. It's a it's three steps forward and a step back, and um, sometimes it goes great. I happen to be at my house in my office right now, and I have two of my daughters here, adult daughters here, and it's going to be a wonderful time when, uh, you know, I get to hang out with them. And yet at the same time, there were moments in their younger adult lives where we thought, wow, what are we doing? And one of the principles is, um, is, is unsolicited advice is usually taken as criticism. And I wanted to give a lot of advice because I'm the guy who says, hey, look at, why do you need to go to Europe to find yourself? I've got all the answers right here. Come into the living room. I'll be done with you in five minutes. We, we had, um, we had our adult daughter and her husband visit us over the weekend from Brooklyn. So they are flying in to spend time with us. They've been in Brooklyn for more than a decade now. And I would say there's a little Brooklyn that's rubbed off on them, right? And so uh, coming into back to the, the Midwest where mom and dad yeah. live, there's yeah. a little cultural clash that goes on there. And some of the subjects that could be volatile are subjects that we are very delicate to dance around yeah. And Marianne and I sometimes look at each other and say, should we be asking more pointed, direct questions, or yeah. should we just let it slide? What, what's your advice yeah. there? Well, I don't think we can be one-topic parents. And we've got a Brooklyn daughter who got married the last time you were here right. um, on the air, and so I couldn't be with you because of that. We were actually in Brooklyn at the wedding. And, uh, and so we have a we have that, a, a similar story. And, um, you know, I, I just don't think we can be one topic parents. I think it's, I mean, I always say, do they know what you believe? Do they know how you feel? Okay. Well, they know. So if they do, then 
I don't think it has to be just that one topic. I think you, you develop a relationship that shows love and care and concern. And you kind of put sometimes our, even our adult kids into, into disequilibrium, if you would, because they see us showing the kind of Jesus love that he did, obviously, to people that he didn't agree with. And, you know, he sure didn't shy away from a biblical worldview, of course. But at the same time, he also, you know, showed some care and love to people who, who weren't living it. So I think that's what we do with our kids, and and then we you know scream and shout at the pillow and you know, <laughs> cry together and pray together. Sometimes if they're making really goofy decisions, but you know we can't we can't make the decision for them. You know, there's a phrase that I like to use: experience is a better teacher than advice. And sometimes they have to experience it. And one of the good things that we're seeing, Bob and I, and I know that you talk about this with family life, and I know it's probably been talked on in terms of this uh, great program we're on today, is that. You know, kids are bouncing back. A lot of kids leave the church by uh, into high school and then college, and maybe they stray. But what we're seeing is they get married, they have kids, and they're not going to agree totally with this on every issue that we would like them to agree on. But, you know, they do bounce back. I've got a daughter uh, in the next room right now with the two grandkids who um, she strayed. At, she went to a Christian college, and she strayed. She, she said, I had to disown my mom and dad's faith to own my own faith. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. You know, we sat next to each other at church this weekend. Um, the grandkids, uh, you know, are at our house all the time. We um, we actually do, you know, Bible stories all the time. Christy is probably more involved in our church than we are. And again, she had some difference of opinions on some political things and some other things. I'm like, hey, wait, you're supposed to be exactly like us. Well, no, she's not. Right. So the the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree, especially if you know, if we can continue to be consistently, you know, loving with them. Um, and I, but it's hard. And, and the discernment, like you say, oh, my gosh, with you and Marianne, when do you say something and when do you just keep your mouth shut? But you always got to keep the welcome mat out, no matter what happens, because that's the Jesus thing to do, in my opinion. Dennis Rainey said for years, and I, I, this is one of the things I learned from him, he said, um, the relationship that you build with your children is the bridge over which a truckload of truth can be delivered. But he said, if the bridge is out, yeah. um, you, you can't carry any truth across uh, oh. across that, that span. Well, that's why I love Dennis Rainey, because that's <laughs> incredible statement. And, and, you know, I think he lived, has lived that out along with us, all of us trying to do it. And it's still not easy. Um, but, but, you know, the people who say, you know, my kid is strayed from faith or my kid is making some poor choices, and then they shun them, that's not right, because yeah. you then there's no bridge. And uh, I have story after story of people who have strayed and people who have made poor choices, and the parents kept loving on them, didn't agree with it, but loved, allowed them tough love, allowed the circumstances of their life to happen. And guess what? Where are they going to come back? When they come back, they, they come home, because... They knew that their parents would understand, even their, though their parents didn't agree with some of those choices. And, you know, that's what you, we do. You also have stories, and I have them too, from people who I'm talking to today who say, um, we are no longer welcome in our children's home, yeah. our adult children's home, yeah. because of who we voted for. Yeah. Or we're not allowed to see the grandkids because right. of of how how we believe. And these right. are parents who are... I mean, the hurt goes deep, and yes. and they're confused in those times where the kids are not in the next room and there's Bible stories and they haven't bounced back. What do you do? Yeah. Well, I think, 
again, every story is different. Back in my youth ministry days, we used to talk about personally tailored discipleship, and so you're discipling kids you know, where they're at. Well, in this case, I'd like to know the story behind the story, because I think sometimes it's because of the escalation of the topic. Let's take the political topic, which adult parents are just, they're, they're in shock at, <laughs> at where some of their kids are going, and I understand that. But I think it's possible to, to build some of those boundaries and talk about expectations and say what an expectations mean. This isn't what we're going to talk about at Thanksgiving. This isn't what we're going to talk about at Christmas. And as a family, we're going to try to stay together. This is where we have to have the discipline. You know, Paul said to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And I think this is where we have to have the discipline to sometimes keep our mouth shut, even when it comes to something we believe passionately about on the political scene so that we can continue the relationship with our children, um, even though they may know where we, where we, you know, we may have the, you know, we may wear the banner, or we may talk a little bit about it, but I think it's important for us to, um, that's, not the, that's not the battle or the hill that I want to fight for the relationship over. And so sometimes we've escalated. Now, and if the kids have escalated, then we say, you know what, we understand you have a deep passion for this, and I love your passion. I don't necessarily agree with you, but I love your passion, and I love you. And so, Again, hindsight is better than foresight because sometimes it's escalated, and I've heard of families uh, very close to us that where there was just a it's, they're in that situation right now, and I think that's too bad. And it's over the political deal, and uh, you know the son is not welcome in the home, and the, that means the grandkids aren't welcome in the home. And I I think the parents have made a poor choice with that, even though I would have voted I voted where the parents voted, yeah. but I, I just I just don't think it's I just don't think you know, it's worth the breakup of the family. When you look at God's hierarchy, you know, there's some pretty awful governments in the Bible. There's pretty awful governments today where people are still, you know, loving each other and and keeping their families intact. And, uh, you know, you have to swallow hard, swallow your pride, and uh, maybe, you know, have those conversations with other people, your friends and, and, and others, but maybe not with your family. That's That's where I go on it. We we just had Alistair Begg joining us talking about how we live in a post culture post Christian culture and yes. what we can learn from Daniel and what it looks like to to winsomely represent Christ in the midst of a culture that's going in a different direction. When it comes home, when it's with our our own flesh and blood, yeah. that's a whole different dynamic. And and I know for a lot of parents today, the the battleground is not who you voted for. But it's issues related to gender and sexuality and how some of our kids are have stepped in, how they're living that out. Our, our kids who are coming home and saying, I think I'm gay, I think I'm bi, I, I, right. or, or I'm, I'm very accepting of these things and think you should right. be too. That's a, th- this is tricky for us as parents. You know, it is. And, you know, some people will disagree with, with the way, place I go is I think we hold strong to the, our biblical values, but I think it's still possible to be loving. You know, the, one of the phrases that I use in that book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, is I say that our kids, especially millennials and Gen Z, they, they view tolerance as a sign of loving. And if we're anti-something, they're going to see that as not being tolerant. But the question I have is, is it possible to follow the example of Jesus and still love people who might have a different view even on their sexuality. I think it is. Let me give you an illustration. In our home, there's a young man who is kind of friends with our family, and he happens to be gay. Now, he and I would disagree theologically on uh, you know, marriage between a man and a woman and all these different facts, what the Bible says. However, he had not had a birthday party in 15 years. And so I said to Kathy, 
let's have a birthday party for this guy. So he walks in, and uh, we start singing happy birthday. I have my adult children there who don't always have the same view as me on some things. And, um, and the guy starts crying. And then we have dinner, his favorite meal, because Kathy found out what it was, so we cooked his favorite meal, enchiladas. Of course, you've got to have enchiladas here in Southern California. <laughs> and, um, and then we sing happy birthday again. And, and as we're singing happy birthday, he taps me on the hand. I'm sitting next to him. And he says, now, I thought you guys were Christian. I said, oh, we are. Well, later on, I invited him to church uh, at Christmas Eve, and he said, I haven't had as much fun. This is so great. And I don't always think Christmas Eve services are fun. I think they're inspirational, because right. this was such a great place. Hmm. Well, you know what? That place has a, has a conservative view when it comes to sexuality. I think he came because some Christians who didn't agree with him necessarily sang happy birthday to him and gave him some presents. You see what yeah. I'm saying? I think we can still do that. And it's not compromising who we are. And and don't discount the enchiladas. They played a big role in that as well. <laughs> hey, you haven't had Kathy's enchiladas. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Burns joining us this afternoon. We're talking about how we relate to our adult children, which can be increasingly challenging in this culture. We'll continue the conversation, and you're welcome to join us at 888 528 2557. That's 888-528-KKLA. We'll be right back. Southern California Live on a Monday afternoon. Bob Lapine on KKLA. We're talking about uh, doing life with our adult children. It's a song that was written right around the corner, by the way, down in Laurel Canyon, back when uh, the guys lived down there. Back in the 60s, Jim Burns is joining us this afternoon. Jim has written a book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keep Your Mouth Shut and the Welcome Mat Out. And if you want to sum up kind of what's the, the advice on how we do this, that's right at the uh, the heart of it. How we do life with our, our adult kids is we keep the relationship um, at, at the center of things. And, and Jim, I want to ask about moms and dads who have got a, a son or a daughter who has, um, well, you, you talk about bouncing. They're, they're not just um, not yeah. going to church, but as a prodigal, they are making destructive choices in their life to where those moms and dads wonder uh, from a safety standpoint. I, I have a friend, uh, I got a text this morning from a friend whose daughter was released from jail three days ago and last night overdosed and was dead this morning. And these are Christian parents and their heartache is real. You, you, you've walked this path with others and, and you wonder as parents, should we have said more? Should we have done more? Should we have intervened? We tried this. You, You start to think, did we let something slip? And I know parents who have got prodigals and they watch their kids off in a far country and they go, what am I supposed to fly in and rescue? And what if I can't, what, what do you do in those situations? No. And, and I, my heart bleeds for that family because again, sometimes really good families have kids who make poor choices. And I don't know this particular situation, but every one of us, Bob, if it was you and me, we would be doubting ourselves. We would be wondering if we hadn't done enough. We'd be struggling with, uh, well, maybe we did too much. Did we push him here? Did we not push him there? You know, whatnot. And it's so hard. I do think that there are some principles that basically says when your kids are in so destructive where they could be, we're talking now 
drug addiction. We're talking, um, you know, in the incredible types of things that could happen, or if there was a mental illness or some of the other things. Then I don't think it's that you, you know, you keep your mouth shut. You do keep the welcome mat out, but you care and love them. You got to show some. Again, you're showing tough love, meaning sometimes the circumstances will teach them. But if you have to intervene, intervene, and if you if they need help. But even in the drug and alcohol world, if you look at both the Christian and the secular side, uh, both Celebrate Recovery, which was based here, you know, taught at Saddleback here in Southern California first and then moved around the world, and then even, you know, uh, AA, you know, they're going to say that there are certain things you can do and certain things you can't do for them. And you can't beat yourself up as a, as a parent. But sure, you got to try to do most anything you can. And, uh, and sometimes kids make really poor choices. Um, my guess is that those parents, your friends, um, you know, probably did most everything that they could do. And yet they're still going to second uh, guess themselves until they, you know, are in heaven. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, they just are. I mean, it's, it's painful. And so then they've got to build, you know, back up. But, you know, one of the fr- phrases that I, that I talk about in this book or in, even when I'm speaking is, you know, when it's a phrase that actually you get out of the, the recovery movement, but you can't want it more than they want it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes as parents, we want it more than they want it. So, of course, we don't want them to be in prison. We don't want them to go to jail for some reason. We don't want them to do drugs. We don't want them to do this destructive behavior. And uh, we can do all we can do in a healthy manner. What I say to parents in that case is, you can't do this on your own. Get the help you need. You know, the Bible says where there is no counsel, the people fall. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And I find that sometimes, you know, getting, just getting the counsel of, a, of a, either a wise friend or a pastor or a, or a counselor, a certified counselor, they help you understand, well, you know what? You're not crazy. You're doing all that you have, you can do. And, uh, and you relinquish that child to God. And uh, you never quit praying because miracles happen every single day. But in, in this case, you know, you just got to make sure that you're around others who, you know, show right now what they need is they just need the the love and care and concern of, of, of others. No, no advice, just love, care, and concern. And then as time goes on, the healing process begins, and they'll have to doubt their doubts. And, you know, it's tough. And, uh, and I say that to parents, even when their kids are, are in, when their kids are prodigaling. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but it sounds it is a word today. <laughs> and if they move out um, away from your values and they violated your values, then you, know, you, you you know you try to bring them back, but you 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 give them every opportunity to to come back, but you can't do it for them. And uh, that's the hardest thing. I think it's yeah. one of the hardest things in parenting. You know, I, th- I thought it was hard when our three girls, you know, were in, you know, preschool, you know, changing <laughs> diapers and all that. That was a tough stage, and it is a tough stage. The adult stage, when they yeah. stray, it may be tougher. Uh, all of us as Christian parents, when we had our kids, we memorized Proverbs 22.7, train up a child yep. in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not yep. depart from it. We thought, okay. I'm going to get the recipe, the formula. I'm going to, they're going to memorize the verses. We're going to, I'll have them where they, I'm going to put them in this school or homeschool. I'm going to do this and that. We thought I will, and, and literally our heart was, I'll do whatever it takes for you to be a functional adult who is walking faithfully with the Lord. And we get to where we are today and, and they're not there. And I tell parents, the story's not over. So keep that in mind. But a lot of these parents are looking at this going, it, is, that, is that verse really true? Can I depend on a verse like that? Right, right. 
Well, you know, that I think that verse is true, and I, I don't think it makes a promise within that verse. Well, sometimes people say that's a big-time promise. I, I don't think it makes a promise that every kid is going to turn out okay. If they, if they went with our training, sometimes they jump away from our training. But the truth is, is that I do believe that for a majority of parents, that as they, if they built that foundation, that's why it's so important to be energizing our kids' faith in a young in a young stage, that, you know, they will return to that as time goes on. I've seen that over and over again, especially at times when they get married or times when they have children. Does it happen to everyone? Absolutely not. But, you know, you're seeing that 65% of kids leave the church after high school, so say, says Barna and some of the, you know, folks um, who study that. And, but, you know, there's about a 30% chance that they're going to come back pretty pretty quickly in those what we call the emerging adult years, or at least after those emerging adult years, that they'll come back. And they may, it may not look the same. They may not go to your church. They may sing different worship songs. They may, maybe they're going to meet in a house and not in a sanctuary like you want to or, you know, whatever. But, you know, I think, it's, I think that verse stands. Well, our job is to train them. I, I mean, I read a great book uh, that this guy wrote in, I think it was 2020, uh, love like you mean it on marriage, <laughs> the heart of marriage that honors God. I it. I love this book of yours, <laughs> and uh, and one of the things that it basically says is we you know we need to be intentional about uh, our marriages, but we need to be intentional about you know parenting our kids, live by right. those principles, and I think God honors that you know in so many ways. And at the same time, He's our heavenly Father, and His heart breaks when people stray as well. Uh, and that's what I, I think we've got to remember that. So God, the perfect Father. Uh, the the yeah. fir- his first children in the garden wandered. Oh, the, the parable yeah. of the prodigal son. The, the the father in that story is a type of God. So we, we we have to keep in mind that our kids are not robots. Our kids are not. You can't pre-program them to function a certain right. way, as you've said. They're they're their own kids, and we have to leave space for that and take a deep breath. And we also have to be on guard. I think against. And I, I want you to speak to this. Be on guard against self-righteousness, which I think can can destroy quickly yeah. uh, the relationship with our kids. Yes, it's so important, again, that we, you know, kids today, especially when you're looking at millennials and Gen Zs, uh, you know, they want authenticity. And, and when we come in holier than thou, or we come in uh, really even quoting, you know, every, you know, good verse, and, and we're quoting it. But if we come in without empathy and without care and without love, um, they're not going to buy that. They want they want authenticity, and they need to see us as real people. Who you know, sometimes we either you know they see us in our mess or they see us in our pain, and um, and I think that's a strong witness to them. I I'm I'm never impressed with anybody that gives a marriage conference and they act like they've never argued in their life and they've had this perfect <laughs> marriage. Because I'm like, well, I can't relate to that. Right. I'm impressed with the people who say, hey, I'm going to point you to God, and yet at the same time. You know, we don't do this always perfectly. That that's a that's a turn on to me, not a turn off. Well, as parents, I think we have to do be able to do the same thing. We have to, uh, but not be self righteous. No, no, that's not the that's not the way to get through to this generation. Not the way to get through to any generation. But um, especially as and I didn't get to hear your interview with Alistair, but I, I've heard him speak so so eloquently on on being in a post Christian era. I mean, you know, people aren't just assuming that. Um, the Christian way is the way, and so kids right. are are being raised in that world right now. I, you know, I, I've looked back. 
Um, I, I grew up in a mainline church. I don't remember hearing the gospel in the church that I grew up in. Um, it was the church that my mom stayed with throughout her life. And when I came home in college and and said I'd had a, a conversion experience, I'd I'd come to faith in Christ, I think what she heard me say was, I've somehow become better than you. Yeah. And that's not what I was intending to say, but I think we, we just have to be aware that when we say, uh, I've had this breakthrough, what people often hear is, I think I'm a better person than you. Yeah. And, and we've got to be very careful in representing well what's true about us, that we're not better people, but that Christ is a better Savior. Yes, yes. You know, it was interesting. Here in Southern California, we had a big, and I, I watched a little bit of it online, so we had a big event last night that KKLA would have been a major part of with Greg Laurie. And I thought he did such a great job of presenting the gospel with exactly what you just said, talking about the fact that, you know, Jesus is a better Savior. We're still not perfect. Right. And, you know, that that was really wonderful, because I think sometimes even in evangelism we get across, you know, come and be saved, and you've got eternity, and you've got this, and everything's going to be bright and shiny. I've said that when I became, I became a Christian when I was in high school, and I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I had more problems, because all of a sudden, <laughs> some of the sin that was a little bit fun, now I had to deal with some of that. Yeah, stuff. right. Um, and yet the truth is, is that, you know, it, it, we just can't come across like that. And as parents, we want to. We come across sometimes too smug, and... Um, that's not the way to, to win our adult children uh, back. Uh, the way to win them back is to show them unconditional love like Jesus did. And he, Jesus, I mean, Jesus he was very willing to say what he thought. He was very willing to stand, obviously, on the right side. And yet, you know, there were times when he shocked the religious people because he was, you know, going to go have dinner with a tax collector. That's not as big a deal to us because we don't think about tax collectors the same way they did. Uh, you know, he was willing to hang out with a prostitute, not because she was a prostitute, but because she was a sinner and, and God loves all. And he did that. And, and it, it, it blew the minds of the religious establishment. And, and I think we sometimes have to show our kids that we're willing to, to step out. And, you know, sometimes our spirituality is, can be a little messy. Let them see that. And, let, and, and never let them forget that it's Christ who saved us, not we who are so good. Jim Burns joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. His book is called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. And I have a little bit of uh, rating envy because he has 1,771 ratings on Amazon and a 4.7 rating. And uh, mine doesn't get close to that. So congratulations on that. We're going to continue the conversation about how we keep our mouth shut and the welcome mat out as we relate with our adult kids. We'll continue with Jim in just a minute. Stay with us. Stelton Cameron, the producer. By the way, welcome back to uh, Southern California Live. I'm Bob Lapine sitting in this afternoon. I was telling Cameron, the producer, you can tell the era I grew up in by the songs we're picking here to talk about uh, relating to our adult children. Jim Burns joining us this afternoon. He's written a book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Keep your mouth shut and the welcome mat out. The book's available wherever you get books. And you recognize these songs we're picking, don't you, Jim? Oh my goodness! I'm my my feet are tapping. Checking <laughs> the great side. I was going to add that. I was just going to tell you. We are we are men of a certain age here, are we? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, my so, kids like that music, though. They grew up with it because they were forced to from dad, 
and uh, they like that music. So. I, I told my kids I would give my kids at Christmas time uh, best of compilation CDs. This was back when CDs were still a thing. But I would say I have a responsibility to complete your musical education. So you're getting the complete Simon and Garfunkel collection here for Christmas. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I want you to the Everly Brothers. I want you to learn Buddy Holly. I mean, there were some that they just needed to know as we were oh, you're raising them. My people, right there. You are <laughs> naming my people. I'm telling you. <laughs> so I want to I want to ask you the question. You get asked this all the time. You and I have talked about this before, but it's it's a question that a lot of parents have consternation over. Um, either it's their child or it's a child's friend, but all of a sudden they find themselves invited to a same-sex wedding. And they go, do I go to the wedding or do I not go to the wedding? Am I, how do I wrestle with this? I, I don't think there is a, a definitive, here's the verse right answer to this question. That's, that's where I am on it personally. But what are the things we weigh in and consider as we make a choice here? No, it's a great question, and again, I think I was going to say the same thing. I think we have to have discernment because, you know, sometimes you probably don't go. Uh, I lean, again, people will disagree with me, and that's fine, but I lean on the aspect of going, although as a heterosexual and a person who believes that the Scripture is very clear that a marriage is for a man and a woman, I think these people are forfeiting their spiritual purpose, but a lot of times they, they crash. And, and when they crash, I mean, a lot of times when I say a majority crash, yeah. but when they crash, if they remembered that you were there and they knew how you felt, then, you know, it's quite possible that you're going to come. There's actually a man uh, who I know very well. He's a pastor uh, at one of the larger mega churches here in Southern California. And his daughter did that. And she got married. She was uh, 22. She got married to a 42-year-old woman. And uh, he said, what do I do? I'm just in shock. And I said, again, I can't speak for you. You've got to listen to God. But I would go, and I'm glad you don't have to walk her down the aisle. She didn't ask for that. And uh, I would go, because when she crashes, because, again, she's 22. This person's 42. I don't care if it's even a heterosexual marriage. You're going to have trouble a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it took three months, Bob. And she she crawled back home and said, I'm, Daddy, I've made a terrible mistake. I'm so I'm so sorry. Well, she needed some celebrate recovery, and she needed some other issues because there are other issues in her life. You know what? Today, I'm not saying that she has the perfect. She's she's living with some of the no consequences of some of her poor poor choices. But you know what? Today, she's uh, she's in a good relationship. It sounds like they're going to get married uh, to a that she and her boyfriend now almost fiance are going to get married. And you know they're getting the right counsel and whatnot. Well, I don't think that would have happened if Dad wouldn't have gone to the wedding. Now again. I'm sure not the Holy Spirit here, and the Holy Spirit may lead somebody else to do something differently. But to me, I'd go, and and I would just want to be sick. I'll just be honest with you. <laughs> I'm being so transparent with you. I'd just be sick about it. But yeah. I think you go, because then they, they know how you feel. And I always say to people, like I said, they, if they know what you believe and they know how you feel, then they see you, you know, reaching around that. So again, that, that's that's what I say to people, but again, I, I want them to hear from God, because I think sometimes they're going to hear something different, too, and, I, and I, I really respect and admire that. That's the interesting thing about the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit can give us an answer that, uh, where the Bible is, you know, there's principles, but where, if the Bible isn't speaking about one thing or another, then, you know, I think sometimes He gives us some room to, you know, make a decision that the next person might make a different decision. We're still brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
I might call the pastor who's doing the wedding and just say, are you going to ask in the ceremony, if anyone knows any reason why these two should not be joined together in holy matrimony, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. Because if you're going to ask that, and I'm sitting in the audience, I might have an obligation to have to say something. So if I'm coming, maybe you skip that question at this ceremony. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And we do have to be people of integrity, of course. Um, But you're right. That's a good, you know, they don't use that much in weddings as much anymore. You know, maybe that's a, you know, in the craziness of people cohabitating and people, you know, same-sex marriages and whatnot. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing that that question doesn't show up at a lot of same-sex marriages these yeah, days. No, uh, but and and I do think I I think there's a lot that has to be prayed through in this situation. To what extent are do people know where I'm coming from? Sometimes it yeah. may be that the person doesn't know or who who thinks you're coming is tacit endorsement and. Yeah. You may have to say we're coming. I, you, you just need to know in our coming that we we've got some real challenges with this, yeah. and and think it it's maybe a mistake, but we want to come because we love you. I think yeah. you do have to be clear about that. No, I think that's important. And in fact, I think it's important. I have a, a, some friends whose daughter was living with a guy, and it wasn't a good relationship, and it wasn't smart. And they said the same thing in a you know it, it wasn't a same sex marriage, but it was in a, a marriage that was potentially abusive. Yeah. And they felt like the integrity thing to do was to tell them how they felt. And then they ended up, you know, coming to the wedding. Now, Chip Ingram, who would be a good friend of yours, too, and he's a very good friend of mine, he has a board member who chose not to go to a wedding of a family member because he felt like that's what God wanted him to do. And then he said afterwards, he spent all kinds of time with these people, loving and caring and, you know, supporting and being generous with, with love and all kinds of uh, in all kinds of ways, and that was the that's what he heard from God. So sometimes mm-hmm. you are going to hear something different. And I've had people who have skipped the wedding, gone to the reception, given a gift. You know, they've yeah. they've expressed their love, but they've said the yeah. the ceremony itself is not something I yeah. I, I feel conscience bound that I can't go. Right. Very very interesting. That's I I know people who have done that too, and and I I always do say to people send a gift. <laughs> yeah. If you're not going to go, at least acknowledge this don't just you know walk away from it and that's and and that's for you know any case sometimes you just see some of the silliest you know they get married they've known each other for you know three weeks and now they're getting married and oh my gosh every flag red flag is going and you know but you still you know say we we wish you the best we're praying for you here's your here's your gift you know, yeah I, you I started i started out this hour jim by by pointing people to ephesians 4 1 which it talks about walking in a manner worthy, which I think is mm. is critical. But it goes on to say, preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And really at the heart of your book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children, preserving the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace is what mm. we're aiming for here. And I hope moms and dads who are struggling in their relationship with their adult children, I hope they'll get a copy of the book. I, I hope they'll read through it. Maybe a group of parents going through this together can can help one another in this endeavor. The, the book is a gift to us, and, and your time this afternoon has been a gift to us as well. Thanks for joining us. Bob, thank you. And as I've told you before, you're my favorite person to uh, be interviewed by, and I just I, I admire you so much. So we are fortunate to have you uh, here in Los Angeles on the air right now. So yeah, appreciate thanks it. For thanks for joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. We'll see you tomorrow. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.